Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not gonna happen overnight and you're gonna make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge, uh, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. Today you get to meet Kelly Lewis, the woman who is doing it all. She is the founder of Go Girl Guides, the first travel guidebook series written specifically for women. In 2014, she started Women's Travel Fest, the world's largest conference for women who travel. Then she launched her own tour company called Damesley, which provides trips around the world for professional and creative women. And most recently, she has written a book called Tell Her She Can't, a manifesto dedicated to every woman who has ever been told she is not enough. If you think she sounds like a total badass paving the way for women within the travel space and beyond, you're absolutely correct. Kelly is a leader and a champion for other women who has the uncanny ability to balance a dozen different spinning plates at the same time. Today, we hear how she got her start in travel, how she manages to do so many things at once, and how she finds the confidence to pursue her dreams. If you've ever felt trapped by the bigness of an idea, whether that's starting a new business, writing a book, or maybe just launching a new tour, this is the episode for you. Kelly is such a go-getter that I promise you can't help but feel inspired to finally do that thing that you've been afraid to do. So let's get into it. Without further ado, Kelly Lewis. Hey again, it's Kara. I just wanted to mention one last thing before we dive into the show. This episode was originally recorded in the fall of 2020. Everything that is discussed is still absolutely relevant. You just might notice some references that date it to that time. Uh, but not to worry, there's still loads of great content, so I hope you enjoy it, and now, back to the show. All right, hi Kelly, and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I feel super honored to have you, because you just seem like the, the person who does it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you are such a leader in the travel space. You've launched your own line of guidebooks. You run a super successful conference for women who love travel. You started a tour company, sending women all over the world. You're now writing a book, as far as I understand. So uh, I don't know how you've done it all, but I, I hope I can learn a bit more about you and that process over the next half an hour or so. Uh, but yeah, let's start first with your background, kind of you know wh where you're from and how you got into travel. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Hawaii on the east coast of Oahu, and I always, always was curious about the world outside of my small island, like very Moana of me. Um, <laughs> I wanted to know what was beyond the shore, and I was always really um, interested in 
other cultures and different points of view. Um, but I grew up in a family that, you know, I was one of four kids with two adults and it's expensive to leave Hawaii. And we just, we never traveled. Travel was not a thing that my family ever did. Um, so I went to college uh, in Arizona in Tucson. And after I graduated, my gift, my like graduation gift from my family was a trip to Fiji, New Zealand and Australia. And that wow. really kind of kick-started my passion for seeing other places. Um, and I became so obsessed with New Zealand that I returned back to Tucson, sold every single thing that I owned, and moved to New Zealand for a year. So that was really the grand adventure because you wow, know, yeah. once you start traveling, you meet other people who have been other places, and they really open your eyes to what the world holds. And so um, just in having that experience of being there um, as an expat and meeting new travelers who'd gone, you know, to different destinations, I really realized how small the world is and how, how easy it actually is to go somewhere if you want to go somewhere. That's amazing. I really identify with that because I grew up on Maui, actually, and it was the kind of same experience of you know, it's an amazing place to grow up, but it's also isolated in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So if you have an interest in the outside world or if you like to travel, uh, it's the worst place to live, really, because you're so isolated and it's so expensive to, to get anywhere. Uh, wow. So you were in New Zealand for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what happened after that? Where did you head from there? After New Zealand. So I, I started a cycle that I would go back to again and again, which is, you know, working really hard, usually bartending, saving money, and then going back out and traveling. So um, after New Zealand, and I left only because I had to, because my visa ran up, um, but I returned back to Tucson, got three jobs in the service industry, saved up a bunch of money, and then three months later was in South America for about four or five months. Um, and this would be like a cycle that would follow me for the next, you know, 10, 12 years. And um, yeah, I just was willing to do whatever it took to go out and to travel and to travel as cheaply as I could as for as long as I could, just so I could stay out there. You know, my travel styles changed, obviously, now I, I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly not the um, budget traveler that I once was. But that same ambition to do whatever it takes to get out and explore and really live your life is still um, very present for me. Um, so after New Zealand, it was South America. After South America, I think I came home. And at that point, I had started a travel blog. Um, it was not Go Girl Guides, but it became Go Girl Guides eventually because I had a dream in the middle of the night that I was looking at a guidebook for women. And in my dream, I was going, oh my gosh, this is totally your calling. Like, why didn't you think of this? Somebody already did it. <laughs> and, and I woke up the next day. And at the time I had come back, I was back in Tucson working as a journalist because that's my, my professional background. And I was working at this office job that I absolutely hated with, you know, fluorescent lights and just a terrible tyrant of an owner. And I just couldn't stand it. And I, I remembered the dream like midday through my work day and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, I mean, like I, I basically fell out of my chair with like <laughs> this realization. And so I started Googling cause it was 2010. And I remember thinking like, 
of course somebody's already done this. Like surely in 2010, someone has written guidebooks specific for women and no one yeah. had. Wow. And so right then and there, and I had already gotten the name from the dream and like the look that I wanted. And I already, you know, things were in place because I had a travel blog. I knew of a designer that I could call upon to kind of create the vision. So it was already like coming to me. Um, so I started Go Girl Guides three months later. Uh, actually, I mean, I started it right then and there. And three months later, I was in Thailand writing our first guidebook. So wow. I quit that job. I never went back. Um, came back, published our first book. And, you know, I want to say to everyone who's listening that, like, I had no idea what I was doing when I was doing it. And I still sometimes have no idea what I'm doing. I just keep <laughs> moving forward because I think that's that's the only thing you can do. So, like, I had a background in journalism, had never written a guidebook in my life, had no idea how to publish anything, didn't know anything about page stock, you know, <laughs> book spines, ISBN numbers, <laughs> all that stuff I had to learn on the fly. Um, and I got really lucky that, you know, I found the right people at the right time. But, yeah, I mean when I looked at the mountain of things that had to get done before I started doing them, it was really overwhelming, but you just have to take it like one task at a time. So for me, mm -hmm. the first task was setting up a website and then getting out there. And I love when I have big ideas that are like clean slate ideas, right? So it gave me an opportunity to look at guidebook industry and say, if I could totally reimagine this and I can, what would I want? what would I want? What would I want to tell my best friend? What would be helpful for, you know, my sister traveling here to know? And I really just kind of approached it from that perspective. I didn't follow anybody else's format. It was really just like, how, how can I help other people? And I love, I love being in those kinds of positions where it's like, throw it all against the wall and just <laughs> figure out what you want to do to recreate it. And I've, I mean, I think that's kind of been like the ethos of everything I've done, right? Since since that point and forevermore. <laughs> I think that's such a good philosophy. And I think it's really also reassuring to hear that you, you know, you went into it with just an open mind. You knew, you know, what you wanted to get out of it, but the path to get there was uncertain and you just figured things out yeah. along the way. Yeah, you totally developed the path. You know, you don't realize you're doing it until you're just taking one step at a time. And then when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the road. So <laughs> I've gotten here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's amazing. So were, did you self-publish these guidebooks or what was the publishing process like? Yeah. So essentially, we st I started a uh, publishing house for these guidebooks. So like technically, yes, they're self-published, but they're published through my own press. Um, and printed through an offset printing company that I had found back in 2010 that did an amazing job with the books. But publishing's come so far. So like back then I had, you know, 10,000 copies of a guidebook under my bed. <laughs> like now you don't have to order in bulk like that. So the, the industry's changed so much when it comes to printing things. Um, and then of course, after you've, you've gone through those hurdles, then you have to find a distribution partner because then you need to get help with sales and getting into bookstores and all sorts of things. And that took a little while to figure out as well, um, is always an evolving process in publishing, but I don't, you know, I can't tell you that like it was a lucrative idea. 
but I will say that it led to the opening of so many doors that I didn't even realize were were possible and really like the start of a career that I could not have imagined because it didn't exist. So, <laughs> you know, it to me it was such a simple idea. Like it was such a simple idea to think of like of course women and men travel differently. Like there are so many things that I experience as a woman traveling by myself that, you know, my male colleagues or my male friends don't experience. But at that point, there was no quote unquote women's travel industry. Like it just wasn't a thing, you know, and maybe Lonely Planet would give us like a paragraph in the back of a book, you know, for women travelers, but yeah, it didn't exist. And so fast forward a few years, we've published now at this point, we had published three books, three guidebooks. Um, Thailand, Argentina, and Mexico. And I was going on a cross-country road trip from Tucson to New York City, which was also a move that I was making. So like, I was moving myself. Um, and I started talking to women about traveling, just generally. And they loved, loved talking about traveling. They would pick my brain for hours after the talks. You know, they wanted to take me out to dinner and just tell me about their trips and like the energy from that was so contagious that I thought, I want to do this in a bigger way. So when I got to New York City, I started what would become the very first women's travel conference called the Women's Travel Fest. Um, and again, totally an idea. I was a bartender, had zero dollars, um, maxed out every credit card that I had, truthfully. I mean, when you don't have money, that's how you do it. Um, and I just, I bartended my way to the event, like found a venue that I loved that, you know, was made possible because a woman who ran it loved the idea and took a chance on us. Um, and everything was just kind of like organic. It, Expedia became our first platinum sponsor and stayed with us for three years. Samantha Brown was our first keynote from our very first year. I mean, it, wow. it just, it blew up and it sold out and it's sold out every year since. And we're now going into our eighth year. So that's incredible. And could you describe Women's Travel Fest? So who is it for? What happens there? Yeah, it's a consumer travel event for women who love to get out there and see the world. So it's three days um, of speakers, networking parties, and panels and workshops really that are all aimed towards your average traveler. And they talk about, we talk about, you know, everything from why we think traveling is so important for women to touching into your personal power, to how to travel on a budget, to taking better photos, to, you know, being mindful of safety abroad, different safety techniques, literally everything. Um, and that's what makes it so cool is like, it's not for bloggers specifically. It's not for the travel industry. Although, you know, being in New York, we are we have a lot of travel industry in attendance. It's a consumer show. It was built because I love to travel and I love to talk about traveling. <laughs> and so this, it's attracted that same energy. So when people come, you know, they come to meet other travelers and to hear their stories. And it's very much recreating the house that I lived in in New Zealand, where it's like, oh, you just went to China? Tell me about it. Oh, you just went to Japan? And, like, you know, it's that same kind of network. And it's so much fun. That's so unique because, you know, you hear about so many different travel conferences and they are mostly targeted to people that work in the industry. But to have it for people who just love to travel, who are consumers of travel, uh, is so special and, and so needed. And I'm so I would love to be able to attend one of these years because I think I would make a lot of friends. I'm sure you would. It's it's so much fun. And to see like how the audience and the community has grown, you know, with the show and from the show, I've seen 
women, you know, traveling the world together because they met at the show, women who've changed mm-hmm. their lives and switched careers because they were inspired by a speaker at the show. Um, it's really cool to have like a concrete place for my community to gather. And I remain a one woman show entirely. I, I organize, execute, book everything surrounding this event. And then my very best friends fly in from around the country and help me run the check-in table. And I mean, it's, it is not like it is, is unlike any other show, I think, because it comes from my heart and my family and my people. And, you know, and it's, it's just such a great community and, and they, they make it worth all of it, every sacrifice. That's just so inspiring. And so I'm assuming you didn't have any professional experience in events before going into this. So how did, even from like the basics of finding a venue, you know, how did you get those first speakers to, to come to that very first conference when it was, you know, just an idea? Yeah, that's the, that's the the thing, right? I mean, (laughs) it all happened very organically, which is like my, always my cue that I'm on the right track with something. Um, The venue came from left field. I was about to sign the papers actually on a different space that was not nearly as special or great. Um, They came, I think I had filled out, you know, one of those kind of like kayak sort of websites where they searched multiple venues Um, And that just led to a conversation that ended up getting us in the right place. And as soon as I walked in, I knew I was in the right place. And then it's just a matter of figuring out logistics, like what are we going to feed people? Who's going to cater it? Getting a thousand different proposals. Um, Who's going to speak? And what we always do, it's myself and uh, Michaela Malazzi, who is an amazing human being and also a traveler. And she has a TV show where she travels and dances around the world that airs on PBS. But before long before this we were in her kitchen just saying like hey what if we talked about sustainable travel and then we would go who do we know that's doing that right now and we would just make a list of names and topics and kind of pair them up and it's still sort of the way that the show is created we think either of a topic and who's an expert in it or of a person and the topic that they're an expert in and I think Samantha Brown honestly I feel like I don't know. I don't, I can't tell you how that happened. I know, <laughs> like, I know that Michaela, her cousin was her cat sitter or something. And it was like a weird, I don't know. I think we worked that connection, but I don't think, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how we did it, <laughs> but I do remember it coming through and us being like, it was for me, it was like, shut the door. That's a wrap. It's over. Like, it's never going to get better, you know, because she's such an, a role model of mine. That's amazing. What a way to kick off the, the conference. That's incredible. And how did you get the word out? I mean, you met people during your book tour, mm-hmm. uh, but otherwise, what kind of, how were you marketing? Did you have a marketing budget? What was no. your strategy? I had no marketing budget. I think we were like really creative. Um, it was the first of its kind, right? So it spread to the travel industry pretty quickly. We had a lot of friends in the travel industry that were based in New York at the time, still are. Um, and then we thought, well, what if we did like a New York subway campaign? And we just started asking people like, how much does this actually cost? And it it was not more than $3,000. So we're like, okay, fine. So we just got really inventive with it. Yeah. I, I, don't we didn't do any kind of Facebook advertising. I don't think I even knew how to do that in 2014. <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, it just spread through word of mouth. It was really organic and it was a one day, it started off as a one day show and has since grown to a three day show. Wow. And were you profitable with that from the first year or how has monetarily, how has that evolved over the years? Yeah. Uh, I think we broke even the first year. I think we broke even the second year. I think by the third year we were making some money, but I was still so in debt from the years that I had, you know, kept the cards, credit cards maxed out to support the show. So Mm. it took a long time. And this is a, a, this is not like, I would not recommend this to other entrepreneurs. I'm certainly not the person like I create from a place of passion and heart. Right. So like money is like, I know that I'll figure out the money piece that's not necessarily the best way to do it. Like other people probably do business plans and whatever else I hardly ever do. I just kind of move forward. Um, It did take a while to monetize, but now it, it it pays for itself and then some. Well, I mean, obviously in the long run, it's worked out really well for you and you've developed a lot of really successful businesses that are really admired brands. Um, In terms of challenges with starting this kind of, event, what would you say are some of the biggest obstacles you had to overcome? Oof. I always think of like when you're starting something, I compare it to like, you know, when you're surfing and you're on a surfboard and you're like looking up from your stomach at a wave coming at you, it can feel <laughs> super overwhelming, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just sort of passes. I think the biggest obstacles for me in those beginning days were how am I going to pay for this? You know, that was a big, big, big one. And I was lucky that I worked in a bar that, you know, paid me cash. I spent a lot of that cash on um, the event. Um, The second question was like, is this even needed? But then over time, you know, when your community shows up for you and you realize you have a community, it's like, yes, of course this is needed. Um, There were certainly times around like year five, that I was like, I don't know if I could do this anymore. It's so, it takes me six months to do this. And it's, you know, monetarily, it's, is it worth the six months of work that it takes? Um, But then I remembered, again, like I didn't start this for money. I started it for community and I don't want to let it go yet. (laughs) So that was really hard. And the other thing is, that's cool. Like with Go Girl is like, as soon as I started walking through these doors and figuring out, the whys and the hows of making things happened, so many other opportunities opened up to me. Press mm. were writing about me all the time. I was featured in, you know, like publications I could only have dreamed of, like the New York Times, like as a young girl wow. in Hawaii, you know, like I could never have imagined that my life would go this way. And then on a career path, one thing just led to another. So the tour led to the conference. The conference led to me saying, why don't we take these women traveling? Like, we're here talking about traveling. Let's start a tour company and take women traveling. And then from that, that, again, gave me an opportunity to be like, look at the travel industry. It doesn't serve me. It's There's a, a hole in the market for women, you know, who are in their 30s to 50s and, you know, professional aged working women, why aren't we serving them? Why aren't we taking them traveling? And so, so it was again, like throwing it up the wall and figuring out if we could reimagine this and put a different spin on it, what would we do? Where would we go? How would we do it? And, um, and a lot of that was just like, well, I'm from Hawaii. So let's take people to Hawaii. I'm from Arizona. Let's go to the Grand Canyon. Um, 
And so it's kind of just working with what you like inherently know, but building on and building on. And now when I look at everything, it's like I have this little mini empire of women's travel <laughs> because you do. There's so much going on, um, and it's awesome, and I I, I love it. It's incredible. And so just to go back a little bit. So for how many years of the conference were you still working part-time doing bar work? I was bartending right up until I think I actually just had my two-year anniversary bar free. So okay. oh, I was wow. bartending almost the whole time. And then I finally, and I was managing a bar also in, in the East Village in New York City. And, and I loved it. I honestly loved it. And I loved the owner that I worked with the people that I worked with, um, and they were so flexible about letting me travel that it made it really hard to leave. And at some point, it just, you know, I started saying to myself, like, this has helped me so much, but it's starting to pull me back. And if I don't see if my businesses can be businesses, they will always remain like a side hobby. And I had to, it was so scary. It took me years to get the courage to leave that because it was such a cushy job and it was, it provided a lot of like fear from anxiety, but leaving was terrifying. And as it so often goes, you know, the second you make a big jump like that, the universe kind of throws you everything. So like I broke up with my boyfriend, my grandmother died. I mean, it's just like a whole tsunami of things that really tested whether or not I was strong enough to do that. But now looking back on it, it's like, yeah, that was, you know, that was a, the only decision. And I wish I hadn't taken so long to make it because I knew I knew I had to jump and I just was so scared for so long. But then, yeah, I, one year after jumping, I had the best year revenue wise ever. <laughs> I broke multiple six figures um, and it was like, what was I doing? What was I doing? <laughs> I was just, I was in this little box that I thought I would never, you know, never do better, never make more money than bartending. And yeah, that was a lie. <laughs> wow. So. It just it just goes to show just that you just need to be confident in yourself, believe in yourself and make those really scary decisions sometimes. And that's something I really want to talk about is how do you cope with fear? How do you cope with self-doubt? Because you seem like someone who is just such a go-getter and you've accomplished so many things, you've built so many businesses. You know, what would you say to someone who is afraid to make that jump? Yeah, I think I think the fear of failure is a really big one, right? And like, I know a lot of people have said to me like, oh, I want to do this, but I'm so afraid. What if I fail? And I think I have never really been afraid of failure, you know, because it's like, well, if you try something, you're not really ever going to fail. Like it's going to be, it may not reach the level of success that you want it to, but it's not a failure, right? It doesn't really cost you anything. For me, the biggest fear was financial. Like, what if I become completely broke? But I've been completely broke. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really, really broke. Like traveling through Australia with $25 to my name broke. I mean, eating (laughs) tuna fish, you know, writing a guidebook while eating beans and rice because I had no money. And so... I know that I can survive really broke. I know how to be scrappy with my income. Um, And I just started reminding myself of that. And the other big piece was like, I wanted to leave New York City. I was getting ready to leave New York. I didn't, I I needed a life change. And I just, you know, I quit bartending maybe like seven months before I actually moved, but it sort of paved the way for me to 
let go of that kind of lifestyle um, because New York is expensive. It is. And Mm. um, I think for other entrepreneurs, though, to answer your question, remove the fear of failure and just ask yourself, like, literally, what's the worst case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? You know, are you going to be homeless? Are you going to die? I mean, like, if, if the answer to those questions is no, then you owe it to yourself to try and execute your idea. You know, the other thing is like, it, it's the, again, it seems really overwhelming when you think of a big, big idea, but you just have to break it down into steps. You know, for me, it's like when I come up with a big idea, like now, so right now I'm working on a a book called tell her she can't. And it features stories from my life um, that I've never spoken about publicly that are really like scary to talk about involving like childhood abuse and, you know, overcoming people who doubt you and all sorts of things. And it also involves interviews with 50 different women who have overcome various forms of adversity to achieve great success on their own. So there's so many moving pieces to that, right? There's like 50 interviews, 50 articles, 50 things that I'm writing in it. It's it's so overwhelming when you think about it. You got to get all the bios and the headshots and the waivers and the I mean, the ISBNs, and then you're not even talking about publishing, laying out the book. I mean, it's it's huge, and mm-hmm. people stay paralyzed in the bigness of an idea for far too long because it's so easy to do. You can feel like I know I have felt frozen at times, like totally deer in the headlights, frozen because I'm scared of the potential for greatness of an idea and what it's going to require of me to execute that. And like, Mm. I mean, it's not always glamorous, right? Like I remember this year's women's travel fest. I was, I had just started dating someone who I'm still with. And I remember he said, he was like, I can't wait to see what you're like when you're not planning travel fest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, jokes on you. Cause then COVID happened and now I'm writing a book. So (laughs) (laughs) But you have to remain super focused to your idea, super dedicated and in service of your idea. And remember that like you are the vessel for the idea. You like have an obligation to the idea to bring it to life. And if you choose not to do that, then, you know, then it'll go to someone else. I think that that's, that's something that Liz Gilbert talks about in Big Magic. And I love that analogy of like you being the vessel to bring the idea to life. And if you don't choose to act on it, then you will see it happen like somewhere else. And you'll be like, why didn't I do that? You know, I don't ever want to say that. It's so true because there's so many times when, you know, you have a vague notion of a business idea or a project. And then a few years later, you're just kicking yourself because someone else has done that exact same thing. Uh, And obviously an idea is one thing, but all the work behind it is a whole, is a whole nother thing. So committing yourself to to that is huge. Totally. And I just, I never want to say like, oh, why didn't I do that? I just, I, I don't want to live my life like that. So if that means that I will always be a scrappy entrepreneur coming up with new ideas, new ideas every time I take a shower, then so be it. That's, that's my lot <laughs> in life. Like that's how, that's what I do, you know? And the other thing that I would say to entrepreneurs is like, understand that you physically cannot do everything. I think I have resisted taking on help for far too long. Like I really needed an assistant. I needed another person on my team. Um, I'm in the process of bringing that on. But, you know, I've always outsourced design. That's not my area of genius. I've always outsourced like accounting. That's not my area of genius. So I think it's like just understand that like you're, you're not going to be able to do it all. And 
try, if you can, to stagger your invoices, right? So like when I was bartending, I knew I would make 300 bucks on a Tuesday and 200 bucks on a Thursday and 300 bucks on a Friday, whatever. So I would try to get my invoices to stagger so that I could always cover them. And that left me very little. But again, I'm, I'm comfortable living lean and like moving things from one hand to the other. Um, but I think that's how you pay for things, right? It's like, it's not all at once. Women's Travel Fast is, I mean, it costs me probably $80,000 a year to produce. I don't have $80,000 a year just sitting around. You know, it's, it's done in phases and little, like, little by little by little by little. So just on like a practical level, you're, you're so productive. You're managing so many different spinning plates. Like what does a day in the life look like? I mean, I'm sure it's different depending on the week, depending on the month, but do you have any productivity tips or, you know, advice on how to stay so focused and so productive? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think first and foremost, you have to really want it, you know? I love watching bad television. If I <laughs> if I didn't really want to do what I was doing, that's probably what I would be doing, especially when we've been at home for so long. Um, you have to really, really want it. You have to keep focused on what the end goal is, what the end goal looks like. I do a lot of like manifestation at night, like right before I sleep. I think about what the goal is, what I really, really want, how I want it to feel, what I want it to look like. Um, all of these sorts of things. And then in terms of productivity, I have created a space in my home that I just sit down and like, that's where I write. And I think it doesn't, you know, uh, people get stuck thinking that they have to buy like a big fancy desk or a big fancy computer or whatever it is. And like that stuff doesn't really matter. Just dedicate an area that you sit and you know, in your head, when you sit down there, that's where you'd go to do the work. I mean, there is nobody telling me when to do things. There's nobody saying like, this needs to get done by this date. It's all on me to do that. And so that can sometimes be exhausting because you're like, ah, I'm tired, you know? I don't feel like planning a tour right now. I just want to watch Real Housewives. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to give yourself a little grace. I, I usually wake up um, and I've noticed just by myself, like, my brain doesn't totally start working for a couple of hours after I've woken up. So I don't like to get right to work. I'll wake up and have coffee and kind of, you know, clean up and get my head together, do some journaling, and then I'll start working and I'll work, um, you know, a solid six hours ish until I take a break. And then if I still have it in me, I'm just, I'm doing stuff until I go to sleep pretty much. I mean, and my brain is so, <laughs> annoying sometimes because it's always <laughs> always thinking of new ideas right before I go to sleep so like I'll I've I've been having to put myself in bed like two hours before I actually want to sleep and then just have my notepad open because it's like every levy in my head just opens up right before I'm supposed <laughs> to sleep so obnoxious um but that's my creative pattern and like that's that's what works for me and Working for yourself is awesome because, you know, every day can look different. Every day can look the same. Lately, every day has looked largely the same because I'm writing this book and I'm so excited about it. And I think you have to go back to that place of like what really gives you the, the fire in your belly, like what gives you the fuzzies. And for me, it's like this book is so important. These stories are so important. These women are so inspirational. And God knows we need inspiration more than anything right now, <laughs> you know, after 2020 and, and just everything. So, yeah, it, it, you have to come from a place of like you, you want to see it through so badly 
that you will sit in that seat and you will do the work. And I wish that I could say that there's a shortcut. I know lots of people do like bullet journals or they have like dedicated times for things. I don't. Um, any any single day can range from writing a blog post on Go Girl, commissioning an article, um, writing a book, creating a tour, having a meeting about tours, having a meeting about Travel Fest, have a meeting about the book, uh, <laughs> doing a <laughs> podcast. I mean, it, it's like always different. Um, but I love I love having variety like that in my workspace. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back about tours, we've kind of skirted over Damesley a little bit. So I'd like to go back to speak about that. Um, you said, you know, it organically kind of grew out of Women's Travel Fest. Uh, could you describe, you know, what kind of tours are you offering? And then how did you get started with that? Because, I mean, I know some of your tours, you're sending women internationally and, it, you know, launching a tour operator is, is very intimidating because there's a lot of legal hoops that you need to jump through. Uh, there's some financial risk, obviously, you know, you've braved your way through through that before. Uh, so could you just talk a little bit about those early days? Sure. Um, so Dames, we did come from a direct need and a desire of my community. So that takes away quite a bit of risk because you're like, you know who you're trying to reach. Um, I knew that I wanted to reach women who were professional working aged who didn't fall into the two categories that existed in the travel industry at the time, which was like elderly bus tours or Contiki 18 to 21 kind of tours. And there was this huge gap in between that I couldn't really understand, especially because they, you know, women are making more money than they ever have. They have time and resources to be able to travel. Um, and yet I just really felt like the, the market was not they were almost forgotten in a sense. And um, so I thought, well, this sucks. And <laughs> I want to do tours that I want to go on. And so at, at first, when Jamesley started, it was, you know, let's take the workshop model from Women's Travel Fest and take it traveling. So we started with Cameras and Canyons, which is a photography tour through the Grand Canyon, Antelope Canyon, and Horseshoe Bend, led by a female photographer. So it's kind of taking the sort of conference model and taking it traveling. And then again, it was what, what places do I know really well? Like what places do I love? What places do I feel confident enough to take someone and speak with authority about? Um, if I can't speak with authority, who can I bring in, you know, to lead this tour safely? All the legalities stuff, the, the hoopla stuff. I mean, it's important to think about, but I don't really spend my energy there because I'm a creator. So I would say create if you're a creator and hire lawyers because <laughs> um, hire lawyers and get insurance. And, and I think, I mean, there's no, that's the thing is like, I, I do believe that people think that running and starting a business involves so many other steps. It really doesn't. It's just starting it and you can refine as you go. I wish that I could give you a blueprint, but I think again, start with, your community, what market can you serve? How can you be different from what is already existing? And spend money on design. You know, I have a really talented design team at Damesley. That's the site is beautiful. It has an elevated feel because I was looking for an elevated market. It's not a budget trip. You know, that's those are not it's it's just it isn't. And we'll never be everything for everyone. You know, there's a lot of women who want to travel solo. 
women who want to travel on a budget, women who don't want to go on group trips. I totally understand that. And that's cool. You know, they'll maybe they'll come someday when we have a place that interests them. Maybe they never will. Um, I think you just have to like rem- try to stay true to the people you are trying to serve and, and don't overwhelm your brain with like trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, your website is gorgeous. I really, really like the look of it. Um, how, how do you go about finding, you know, hotels and accommodation and activities and that sort of stuff? Are you sourcing that directly uh, based on your experience or? Yeah, I, I started that way for sure. Um, now that the company is bigger and more well-known, we work with a lot of um, in-country tour operators. So those operators have relationships with hotels that they recommend, um, restaurants that they recommend. So it is a lot easier once you get going. But in the beginning, I definitely was like, I like this place because of its location. And I like that it has a breakfast and I like that it has a pool. And, you know, I just sort of tried to put together a trip that I would plan for my good friends. And then the trick became elevating that to an experience that could reach and be fun for women who weren't just my good friends, you know, making it a more professional experience, hiring on tour guides. Um, that was something that I did now. And now when I look around, you know, at the list of things that I do, I have to say like, you know, running tours is not my zone of genius. Like I love organizing trips and I love having trip leaders who are, um, really in love with the job that they do and do it so well. And I just think the second I started outsourcing that and like bringing on um, employees to the travel, to the trips, it changed the game. It elevated everything in such a different way. I think at first when I was picking people up, they would be like, Oh, why, why are you driving the bus? <laughs> why are you, why are you picking me up? Um, and so removing myself from the piece of that and just like trusting and paying other people to, to take on those responsibilities has been a real, um, game changer And the company. It just continues to grow and I, I love it. I, <laughs> I'm really honored to be a part of the journey of it. Wow. So you initially were designing the trips and leading the trips yourself. Leading the trips. Yep. Designing the trips, leading the trips, driving the buses, carrying the bags, Wow. Doing all the things. <laughs> you really do wear every hat. That is incredible. Every hat. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you find your tour guides now and how do you train them? How do you ensure they're a good fit for you? Yeah. Some of them are women who've come on my trips. Some of them are women that I've met while traveling. Some are just women who have just applied. Um, it's really difficult to find exactly the right person because you really need someone who who can see two hours ahead, right? And can predict like when your group's going to be hungry, when they're going to be thirsty, when they're going to be tired, when they're going to need a break. Um, And is selfless in a way because it's not about like giving them a trip that they're getting paid to go on. It's really about the guests and doing whatever you can to make your guests happy and to, to be the glue that keeps the trip going. So far, my guides are epic and I love them so much. And, um, yeah, I mean, I want to tell you that (laughs) that there's like a formula, but for me, a lot of my hiring is based on intuition. It's like, do I think that you're a selfless person when everybody is tired and you're tired? Are you going to put their needs above your own when everybody is hungry and you're hungry? Are you going to be the last to eat or the first to eat? And so these are kinds of questions Mm -hmm. that I ask because I know the answer 
personally. And that's like, if their answers align with that, then they're probably the type of person that I want to work with. Yeah. I think that's a great way to go about it. Uh, so just before we wrap up, I think uh, we do need to at least mention COVID. I don't want it to be the focus of the episode at all, but you know, obviously working in events, working in travel, those are two industries that have been heavily affected. Uh, can you speak a bit about what that effect has had on your businesses, how you might have had to pivot in the meantime? Totally. I mean, COVID took the rug right out from under me, it, like so many others. I mean, really, um, we canceled every tour that we had in 2020. The Women's Travel Fest um, was able to run in 2020. At the time, like, I didn't realize how close we were coming to the wire. The show happened March 6th through the 8th in New York City. Wow, okay. And on the 11th, borders closed, national borders closed. So I got back home to Portland on the 9th, and it was an amazing, amazing show. Everybody had a great time. But I didn't realize that was going to be the last fun weekend or how, you know, how the disease spread so quickly because at that point it was like, wash your hands you know, sneeze into your handkerchief and it's fine. Mm -hmm. So I think when COVID hit, my first, my first feeling was, oh God, what if I got someone in my community sick? What do I do? How, how, how could we have known? And it was just this real terror and dread. And above all else, that's where my head was. Then (laughs) it was, oh God, what is this going to mean for everything going forward? Um, and I, I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I, I did it. I mean, I was literally under the covers for almost a month. I mean, just, just looking at everything being like, what do I do? What do I do? Luckily, financially, I had just run the show. Um, so that relieved a lot of financial burden, but at the point when COVID hit in March, you know, I figured by September, we'd be well out of the woods. Um, I just didn't imagine it would go on this long. Mm -hmm. And now the next women's travel fest is supposed to be in early March in Portland in person. And I just don't even know. It's really put us in a difficult position because we can't predict the future, right? And so travelers are constantly emailing me being like, when do you think I can go to Greece? I'm like, I wish I could tell you. You know, when do you think you're gonna host Travel Fest? I wish I could tell you. So I remain humble to science and to the development and progress of a vaccine and hopeful for that. I'm not sure that by March we'll be in a place where we can gather in person. So I really think right now I'm in the process of making a decision as to whether or not that means we do an online event in March and try to host an in-person in September or Mm. how, what it looks like. You know, I, I think what's great is that people are really used to, initially my concern would be like, people have bought tickets to Travel Fest in March and to honor that I'm going to host Travel Fest in March, but you know, these are unprecedented times and circumstances. So I think the community, especially community of travelers are really flexible when it comes to like, well, of course you can't take me to Egypt. There's a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I'm, I'm still trying to make that decision right now. And I, 
I don't know how it's going to go. What I can tell you is I'm also working on a new business <laughs> <laughs> that houses all of my businesses. It's kind of the master brand of everything that I do called the Women's Travel Collective. And I'm really excited for how that's shaping up. Um, this is the first time I've spoken about it to anyone other than my good friends and mother. Um, so wow, I, don't I feel know. honored. <laughs> yeah. So if Travel Fest doesn't happen in March, I will host virtually a show and use it to kick off the presentation for Women's Travel Collective. And yeah, I mean, we all just are kind of wait and see and it sucks. I mean, I never thought I would go from multiple six figures to unemployment. You know, I, I had no idea. We could have never known what was going to happen. But I am thankful for the lessons that COVID taught me, which are, you know, never take a day for granted, never take a trip for granted, never mm -hmm. take an experience for granted, never take a dollar for granted. And when you get six months off of work, write a book. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I love that that's your approach. Did you have any plans or intention to write a book or did that just come out of having this kind of downtime? Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to write a book for two and a half years and I just finally was like, okay, after, after I got out of bed, after I crawled out, you know, a month later. And it's not, I'm not really in bed for a month, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> after I stopped feeling like the walls were crumbling and I looked around, I instantly knew like, okay, well, what are you going to do now? You know, this is the only opportunity to reinvent. And, and I'm constantly surveying all that I do and all that I have done and where I want to go. And, you know, I think I'm unafraid in having started from the bottom so many times. I'm unafraid to reinvent and to walk away and to restart and to resurrect and to change. Um, myself and my companies and but I'm excited for the future when people you know when when the world comes back and I can't wait to go on my first trip <laughs> <laughs> well that is so inspiring and you are definitely the queen of reinvention um, and I'm so thankful that you took the time to to speak with me today uh, first I want to ask what is the name of your book again and when will it be coming out it's called tell her she can't and tell her she can't. yeah, tell her she can't, which is a challenge, you know, like, yeah, tell me I can't and watch me do it. <laughs> um, and it's coming out in January of 2021. So okay. I'm super excited about that. And um, it also has an associated website, tellhershecant.com and social handles. And if you want to know more about me and the work that I do, you can follow me at any point in time at, at go Kelly Lewis. Um, and if you need anything, you know, just from hearing this, you want to ask me a question, feel free to shoot me an email at kelly at gogirlguides.com. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. And I look forward to checking out the book when it's out. Thank you. <laughs>